Hey everybody, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. Hello, how are you doing? I am officially moved into California, which is super exciting. It is definitely a new change, but I am here for it. I'm excited for this new chapter. I'm excited for law school. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have going on in my life. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I really don't have a lot to talk about before I jump in, so I'm just going to start by saying if you want the show notes, you can find them at scandal101podcast.podbean.com. But other than that, I want to introduce you to the Walgreens healthcare scandal, aka Walgreens and their $269 million punishment. The structure of the episode is going to be a little bit of background on Walgreens, kind of their founding and how they became so prominent in today's society, a little bit of background on the actual healthcare issue that I will be focusing on, and then the bulk part of the back half of the episode is going to be the actual scandal itself. For this first part, for the actual history of Walgreens, I got the majority of my information from two different web pages from the Walgreens, whoa, from the Walgreens website in terms of like, they're like, this is our history. And then I also got an article from The Guardian, which was authored by Garside. So that's where my sources come from this first part, but... Starting in 1901, Charles R. Walgreens Sr., he had worked at a drugstore as a pharmacist in the Chicago area, and then he eventually purchased the place that he had worked at. After purchasing the place is when he started the Walgreens chain. And something that's interesting that I couldn't really figure out is early on they were like marketed as Walgreens and now they're known as Walgreens, so I don't really know exactly when that shift happened, but originally it was Walgreens, so if you hear me referencing it like that, that is why. He seemed to be a pretty ambitious person in terms of wanting to grow the business. He had some big ideas. He introduced his own line of drug products to make sure that the drugs he was selling at his pharmacy were of a high quality and that he could sell them at a low price. It's interesting that he was just allowed to introduce his own line of drugs. I'm not sure what like the the requirements were back then. Um, now you have like FDA approval and all of that stuff, but I can't imagine the process it would be to actually introduce your own drug today. My guess is probably a lot of people had tried that and now they're in jail. So if you're going to do that today, make sure you do it the right way and you don't end up in jail. Do it, do it the right way. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. He also seemed to be in tune with what people in Chicago were wanting For example, he produced drinks and ice cream and all those kind of good things that people love from the soda fountain. And one interesting tidbit I found in my research is that Walgreens actually invented the malted milkshake. It was invented by a person who worked at Walgreens. What was their name? Ivar Popkuljan, I think is how you say his name. Ivar Pop, I think, was how he was known, but Ivar Colson? Colson, not Colson, Colson was his name, and he introduced it 
1922, and it was a huge major hit in the hot, hot Chicago summers, which, as someone from the Midwest, I just, I know how hot and humid and miserable those those summers are, so I'm sure inventing the malted milkshake just helped expand that business rapidly. Like I said earlier, Walgreens was founded in 1901, and then in 1926, they had their 100th store open, and in 1927, Walgreens stock went public on the stock exchange. Through the following years, they kept expanding. In 1960, Walgreens entered the Puerto Rican market, and then this is kind of interesting as well. In 1968, Walgreens became the first major drug chain to put prescriptions into child-resistant containers. You know those really annoying ones that, like, you have to push down and then twist to open, and then you, you have to do it, like, five times before you can actually do it. Walgreens was the first chain to put all of their prescriptions in there in 1968, and that was long before federal law required all prescriptions to be put in there. So, like, good on Walgreens for being ahead of the curve from preventing little kids from getting potentially harmful drugs. In 1984, Walgreens installed an intercom computer in five pharmacies in Des Moines, Iowa. Shout out Des Moines, where I'm from. This is big because it helped... It helped in the first step of making all of the pharmacies, Walgreens pharmacies, connected via satellite. And also in 1984, they opened their 1,000th store in Chicago. In 1991, Walgreens opened its first drive through pharmacy. In 1999, Walgreens.com launched. And then in 2009, Walgreens had at least one pharmacy in every state, with the last state being Alaska, which they opened their... 50th state pharmacy in 2009. So that wraps up the history lesson on Walgreens. I just wanted to include that so that way you could have some background as to where Walgreens started and where they came from and how they became this huge gigantic player in the pharmacy arena. And the next thing I want to focus on, like I said, is the healthcare issue that kind of brought them to this huge scandal, and that's insulin. And insulin mainly goes in hand in hand with people who are living with diabetes and it's interesting diabetes is first thought to be found in historical record re- whoa historical records from Egypt in 552 BC before the discovery of insulin there really wasn't a lot of hope for people who were living with diabetes i read in a couple places that they would recommend strict diets and you had to really watch what you ate and that could add a couple of years onto your life but really there wasn't anything that could be done to improve the quality of life for people who were living with diabetes and the discovery of insulin is just a huge it was and still is a huge discovery in the medical and scientific community It was discovered in 1922, and research was first done on dogs, and there was success found through those trials, and eventually the first human patient to receive a shot of insulin was a 14-year-old boy, and that happened in 1922. After this discovery, news shot around the world really quickly, and the scientists who discovered insulin were awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1923. And for this section, I'm getting my information from an article titled History of Insulin, published in the Journal of Community Hospital Internal Medicine Perspectives, as well as an article titled Insulin in America, a Right or Privilege, in the journal Diabetes Spectrum, a publication of the American Diabetes Association. And then lastly, my final source for this section comes from... An article published in GoodRx by Lee in 2021 that talks about the cost of insulin. 
which helps us wrap up this section before we dive into the actual scandal of what Walgreens did. Like I said earlier, research was done in 1922 to discover insulin, and it was done at the University of Toronto, and the patent was sold for $1. I will say again, the patent for insulin was sold for $1, and this was done with the knowledge that if the patent was sold at a cheap price, then cheap insulin would become available, so like, good on the people who discovered it for not wanting to profit off of people who had this incurable part of their life and just like they wanted to help people so good on them um unfortunately insulin is a lot more than a dollar now and i'm not going to dive into why it's so expensive but for example it's from that good rx article i mentioned earlier a five pack of name brand insulin pens in 2019 cost 709 dollars and 19 cents without insurance I don't even want to begin to describe my feelings of anger of how expensive insulin is, but that is that is just one price. That's not even vials of insulin are ridiculous, let alone the pens, but it's just I'm going to leave it there because it is shocking how expensive insulin is. So now we understand what insulin is a little bit and how expensive it can be. We get to the actual scandal that Walgreens was involved with. And there are there's one scandal, but there are two settlements that I'm going to talk about because it was kind of like a two part scandal that was lumped into one. First, I'm going to be talking about Walgreens settlement one. So Looking back at what we talked about earlier, Walgreens kind of seems like a wholesome place based on its founding. They had a soda fountain. They were in tune with what people wanted, right? Like, they're a wholesome business. And I even remember when I was growing up, like, there was a Walgreens on every corner, and the one right by my house, there was this nice elderly woman who worked there she was there all the time in the evenings when we would go just to get like a box of candy i'm not going to say her name just so that way privacy reasons but her, she was so nice and she was always friendly always had a smile on her face so when i say the things about walgreens in terms of not being positive toward them i'm talking about the corporation that chose to take these actions not the hard working employees who make who try to make the experience of Walgreens positive. While there were nice people working at the Walgreens, the corporation itself seemed to not be doing the right actions in terms of what they should be doing as a pharmacy. And it's interesting because this case and this scandal comes from a whistleblower. So it's not like it's not like there was corrective action done and they were like, ah, we made a mistake, whoopsie-daisy, no, like, a whistleblower came forward and called them out on their BS, which I guess if they did it themselves, it probably wouldn't be that much of a scandal, but yeah, so this came from a whistleblower. Like I said, we're going to talk about this in two settlements. This first settlement was approved on January 16th, 2019, and when I say settlement, this was going to go to court, but it was settled out of court for a lot of money, which I will dive into the specifics later. So it didn't end up going to court. It was settled outside of court because there was going to be legal action taken against Walgreens, the corporation, for what they had done. 
Like I said earlier, people who are living with diabetes need insulin, and insulin pens are one way to get that insulin. So, as a pharmacy, it's not surprising that Walgreens was able to supply their customers with insulin pens. What was happening was Walgreens had set their electronic system to prohibit pharmacists from dispensing a less than full box of insulin pens, which is five pens to patients, even though they knew that patients didn't need that much insulin. I'll take that back. Some people who are living with diabetes need that much insulin, but not every patient that Walgreens served needed five pens worth of insulin. But they set up their pharmacy system so that pharmacists could not prescribe less than five pens to patients, even if those specific patients didn't need five pens of insulin. And part of the reason why they were doing this is they would report the costs in terms of how much insulin they actually prescribed. So essentially, they were knowingly giving out too much insulin to people so that Walgreens could have a higher reported cost, which is just such a waste of valuable medical supplies and, like, a life-saving drug for people. Like, it, ugh. Yeah, it just makes me furious that they did this, and I'm sure so much insulin went to waste over the 11 years that they did this, from 2006 to 2017. And the reason why I'm so mad is that according to an article by Sloan for Diabetes Strong, the longest average lifespan of an insulin pen is 28 days. So if people... If people were prescribed too much insulin and they weren't able to use it, they only have 28 days to use that before it is expired. And from everything I read, you're really not supposed to use expired insulin unless you're unless you really have no other route and you have it's like either that or no insulin. And I didn't want to get into like the science of why, but it seems like it just degrades and is not good anymore. But yeah, so you're you only have 28 days average to use an insulin pen. So they are already falsifying reports and prescribing too much insulin to people. And then secondly, when the amount of insulin approved exceeded the federal health care's daily limit for reimbursement, which it often did because of the whole five pen box thing that like people were getting too much insulin, they just simply lied and said that on their daily reimbursement claims that it did not go over the limit. So they just lied on the forms and like, no, it's like, it's cool. Like, we're not lying and we're prescribing the right amount of insulin to people. Like, there's no worries there. So because of this, Walgreens was paid millions of dollars in reimbursement claims, knowing that they had lied on the forms and that they were dispensing too much. So they made money by lying and prescribing and essentially wasting a bunch of insulin. Again, this is such a huge waste, and then also it opens the door for the abuse of insulin, such as people selling it online for inflated um, for inflated rates, and then also the risk of selling expired insulin, which again, I didn't get too much into the science of it, but it's not recommended that people use expired insulin, so I'm sure that that poses a risk for people if they are offered cheap expired insulin it might be a potential harm under this settlement and a lot of this information for this first section comes from the justice department's press release which was in 2019 as well as an article by mirabella in the baltimore sun from 2019 so this is a direct quote from the justice department's statement what they say in this report is, quote, 
when a federal health program denied a claim from Walgreens because the reported days of supply for a full carton of five insulin pens exceeded the federal program's day of supply limit, it was Walgreens's practice to dispense and bill for the full carton and reduce the reported days of supply to conform to the program's day of supply limit. Essentially, that was explaining what they were doing, which we talked about earlier, and then the other half of that quote is, quote, Walgreens thus repeatedly reported days of supply data to federal health programs that were different from and lower than the day of supply calculated according to the standard pharmacy billing formula. So they just openly lied, which is really frustrating. And under this settlement, Walgreens was ordered to pay around $168 million to the United States government and then $41.2 million to state governments across the United States. And for example, the state of Maryland received $133,000 from the first settlement because they were part of this what would have been court action. Okay, so that is just one of the settlements, and the second settlement was settled on January 15th, 2019, which was just one day before the first settlement was settled that we talked about. The details of this one is pretty frustrating as well. Walgreens operated a program called the Prescription Savings Club, in which customers received a discount when they ordered drugs through Walgreens, which, like, I'm all for discount on anything is awesome, but especially medical supplies and like drugs legally, like go discount. For Walgreens to receive a reimbursement from Medicaid, it was required that Walgreens to disclose the lowest price of the drug offered to the customer, including the quote, usual and customary price, unquote. So essentially, Walgreens had to report the average cost of the drug and then the discounted price of the drug that they were offering to the customers. What it turns out is that Walgreens did not disclose the lower price that it was offering through the Prescription Savings Club, and then it resulted in Medicaid paying Walgreens more than they should have. Like, they... Medicaid was paying Walgreens the higher price of the drug when Walgreens was selling it for a lower price. Again, blatantly lying and not following state regulations because many Medicaid state laws stated that the customary price and then the lower sell price had to be reported, and Walgreens just blatantly did not do that. Again, I'm going to read directly from the Justice Department's press release about what was admitted in this scandal. Also, before I start reading directly from this, they abbreviate Prescription Savings Club as PSC, just so you know. Quote, Customers who enrolled in the PSC were eligible to receive discounts for thousands of types of drugs, and Walgreens offered a savings guarantee under which PCS enrollees could recoup through a store credit the difference between the amount they paid to enroll in a given year and an amount that they received in a discounted savings that year. And in submitting claims for reimbursement to Medicaid, Walgreens did not identify its PSC program prices and its usual and customary prices for the drugs on the PSC program formulary, which resulted in the states paying more in reimbursement than they would have paid if Walgreens had identified its PSC program prices, end quote. So essentially what that's saying is Walgreens lied, and if they had disclosed the lower prices, the states would not have had to pay that much back to Walgreens if they had just been honest and done what they were supposed to do according to the law. 
Because of this settlement, Walgreens was ordered to pay $60 million, and that broke down to $32 million to the United States government and then $28 million to state governments. So that first settlement totaled about $209 million. This one was $60 million. So altogether, Walgreens was fined $269.2 million for their... I don't know, what should we call it? Their misconduct for their bad practices, but whatever you want to call it, they were fined $269.2 million. What's the aftermath of these scandals? Walgreens entered a corporate integrity agreement with the Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General, and essentially what this did is it improves oversight, improves oversight, there we go, independent reviews, and increases the security of the programs that Walgreens is taking part in. Um, I thought it was interesting. The investigation involved Health and Human Services, FBI, Department of Defense, Department of Labor, the Postal Service, the Office of Personnel Management, and then the Medicaid Fraud Control Units for Indiana, Washington, New York, and Texas. So this investigation was huge. It involved a ton of uh, entities, a ton of contributions from multiple organizations to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So what did Walgreens have to say about all this? Well, they're kind of, uh, depending on who you ask or what audience they're speaking to, they kind of have different statements. In the settlement agreement notes, it says that Walgreens, quote, admits, acknowledges, and accepts responsibility, end quote. But in a different statement, they say that Walgreens, quote, has admitted no wrongdoing, end quote, and that the settlements were in the best interests of customers, patients, and other stakeholders. And that comes from an article by Sullivan in 2019 for PolicyMed.com. So essentially, when Walgreens is being punished in the settlement notes, they're like, oh my goodness, we are so sorry. We, we admit our wrongdoing. We were in the wrong. Oh my goodness, I feel so bad. But then in other statements, when they're talking to their stakeholders and people who invest money, they're like, we didn't admit any wrongdoing. We're just settling this so that way our stakeholders, our customers, and our patients can be taken care of when you were wrongly uh, prescribing medication to patients for 11 years. I hate when companies are two-faced like that. Like, Walgreens is a huge corporation. Obviously, $269 million is a lot of money, but I'm sure they have the money to pay it. So, like, why can't you just be upfront and just admit your wrongdoing? In my opinion, by settling, Walgreens admitted its wrongdoing, which, I mean, they said they did in the statements of the settlement notes, but in other statements they're like, nah, we didn't do anything wrong, so... Like, just admit your wrongdoing, pay your fine, and move on. Like, stopping two-faced, it's really annoying, and I I hate when custom, when uh, customers, God, well, I hate when customers are two-faced, but I hate when corporations are two-faced as well. Yeah, that concludes the Walgreens scandal worth $269.2 million. I hope you found this case interesting. I had no idea about this scandal before I started researching it. I don't even know how I came across it. I think I was just bored and on Google and was looking up scandals and I just typed in different store names. I think I typed in Bath and Body Works scandal and I couldn't really find a whole bunch of like a deep dive worth a whole episode. And then I just typed in Walgreens scandal and then this one came up. So I did a deep dive and found a lot of interesting stuff. But yeah, I hope you found this interesting. I really enjoy doing scandals that I've never heard of. And I also looked out there just on like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I really couldn't find a lot of podcasts that actually covered this scandal in depth. 
I hope you were able to learn something, and I just want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at Scandal101Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Scandal101Pod. You can follow us on Facebook if you search Scandal101Podcast. And like I said at the beginning, if you want the show notes, you can find those at Scandal101Podcast.Podbean.com. On the Podbean website, on social media, there is a link tree that links out to everywhere where you can listen to this episode and everywhere you can find the social media. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you left a five-star review on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, or just leave a positive review anywhere where you're listening. Um, If there was something you want to see changed, uh, send me a DM on the social media pages. And also, if you have a scandal that you want covered, also send me a DM. I love learning new things, and I definitely don't know every scandal that's out there, obviously, like I didn't know about this one before. So if there's anything you want me to cover, please let me know, and I would gladly look into it. And if I can fit it into a whole episode, I will definitely do that. But again, I just want to thank you so much for listening, and this has been Episode 8 of Scandal 101.